Welcome to Capital Close Up. I'm your host, Paul Hodes. We're broadcast on WKXL AM and FM in Concord, New Hampshire, and 101.9 in Manchester, New Hampshire, where podcast, wherever it is, you find your podcasts. And if you're listening to this by podcast, please make sure to subscribe and check out all the shows on Beyond Politics. Well, we're here to talk about the theater. The Concord Community Players are celebrating their 95th anniversary season this year, um, which is also the 27th year for the Concord Community Players Children's Theater Project. Uh, this is going to be the first full season of programming for the players since the pandemic, and the kickoff show is The Wind in the Willows. Our guest today is the director of that show, Karen Braz. Karen, welcome to Capital Close-Up. Thank you very much. Well, there have been a lot of exciting things happening with the players, including that Concord TV uh, worked for a year to produce an incredible documentary called The Players, the 95-Year History of the Community Players of Concord, New Hampshire. It was premiered at the Walker Lecture Series. There was a fundraising screening at Red River Theaters, and it's now available on the Concord TV YouTube channel. Um, it was funded in part by the New Hampshire Humanities. Um, and 95-Year History for a Community um, Theater company it's extraordinary, is, is yeah. it's extraordinary i mean when i when i uh, uh came to new hampshire many many years ago i came from um sort of a short career in the theater and i directed a show for the community players um at the time the producer of the show was carolyn jenkins yeah. who had just returned from new york where she had a career as a broadway a theater costumer, as I recall, mm -hmm. and uh, she produced the show I directed, which was great fun. I acted in, in some shows for the community players, uh, and I ended up uh, turning to music. But but the community players have I, I have a real soft spot in my heart, and you've been associated with the players for a very long time. And mm -hmm. before we go a lot further, I will say that. The performance we're talking about of The Wind in the Willows is going to go on Friday, October 14th at 7 p.m., Saturday, October 15th at 2 p.m. at yeah. the Concord City Auditorium. Yeah. People can purchase tickets online at communityplayersofconcord.org. Uh, there are also telephone numbers, but go online. It's the 21st century. <laughs> It's time. So, Karen, you've had just an extraordinary and interesting career. Um, you have been doing ASL uh, sign language interpretation. You've also taught English as a second language uh, and speech and theater. Um, and your real love, clearly, um, your passion has been uh working in the theater um it's it it's it's been a long and wonderful avocation but it seems to be clearly your passion so let's go back to the beginning um <laughs> at age 7 
You saw your mother's production of Winnie the Pooh at the Eastern Slope Playhouse in North Conway, New Hampshire. Now, okay, you're seven years old. What was what was your mother's what was your mom doing with Winnie the Pooh at the Eastern Slope Playhouse in North Conway? <laughs> well, she she was a journalism and theater major in college at uh, Florida State University, and. Um, I remember years and years and years ago talking to her about her, her interest in becoming uh, one of the first female directors in theater, because of course, at the time that she was in school, it was the 1940s and that was primarily men. And so she wanted to, to go to New York instead. <laughs> she got married and had six children <laughs> and lived in uh, North Conway. Um but there was a, as you mentioned, the Eastern Slope Playhouse, which is now home to a summer stock theater, or it may be year-round, actually. Sure. I'm yeah. not sure, but um, at the time, she was uh, part of that adult theater, but she also was one of the founders of what was called the Pyatt Pipper Children's Theater. And it was called Pyatt Pipper because they sent out a, a notice to everybody to say, hey, let's name this children's theater company. And one of the children sent in what they thought was the spelling for Pied Piper. And it came out P-I-E-T-T-P-I-P-P-E-R, Pied Piper. Mm -hmm. yep. So, uh, but we did have a little, um, a person uh, who at that time was willing to be kind of, well, mascot is the wrong word, but dressed as the Pied Piper would introduce the shows for the Piet Pipper Children's Theater. So she had done um, The Clown Who Ran Away, um, which I saw, I, you know, again, I was little, we were all little when, when she did that. And then, and then uh, Winnie the Pooh. And the reason Winnie the Pooh stuck in my mind was because um, a little boy played Rue. He was only a year older than I was. And, um, and he wore my pink ballet slippers. Uh, <laughs> when I was, kid, I was like, what, wait, 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 he's got my ballet slippers on. Wait a minute. Uh -huh. Wait, I can do that. So yeah. I started doing shows with my cousins and my forcing my cousins and my siblings into shows in my grandparents' barn and on our back porch and, you know, down mm. in the field of and, where I grew up. Um, and one thing led to another. One thing led to another, right? You know, it's amazing how, um, especially as we get a little older, we think about formative childhood experiences. Mm -hmm. I, I was, I think I was six when my grandparents took me to Broadway got mm. us front row tickets for the original cast of the music man. Oh my and God. it was all over for me. So of course yeah. I, I, I headed for a career in theater. I went to Dartmouth college. I did theater. I wrote mm. plays. Um, I had eight careers in show business before I somehow ended up in law school and then ended up as a congressman. So, so there, you know, there you go, a, a career, a career, a career in theater, but, 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 and you kept going. You studied theater at Emerson College in Boston and Rhode mm -hmm. Island College in Providence. You, mm -hmm. you, you performed because you, you, you went to Sarasota, Florida, and you performed at the Golden Apple Dinner Theater, and then with summer companies in Boston and North Conway. I mean, mm -hmm. 
that's where you were headed after college, right? You were headed for a career on the stage. Right. I, I was interested in the acting end of theater originally. Um, it, it was, uh, it, it was a startling, um, you know, to go from tiny at that time, North Conway. Well, North Conway probably technically is still pretty tiny, but it gets influxes of, uh, visitors all the time, but it was, you know, it was a very small place when I was growing up, uh, in the, in the sixties and, and acting was what I wanted to do, but going to Boston was this immense culture shock just in terms of the environment, obviously city, you know, little country mouse going to the city. Um, but also in terms of going to a school that had just a plethora of performing arts kids and, and coming from all over the place and all of their backgrounds and, and me just feeling like, Oh my gosh, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not them. I didn't go to the New York Academy of the performing arts or, you know, anything like that. So, um, so it was a little overwhelming to say the least, but hmm. I still had enough. Um, I guess looking back, I had enough uh, feelings of, you know, success that I was able to kind of keep going and, and, and work at the, the things that, that I was interested in doing at the time, along with my then soon to be um, husband, Joseph. And so, yeah, that, that was where it kind of started. And then when I, there, there came a point in my late twenties when I realized that probably a, a, a career in theater particularly since I wasn't willing to live in New York City or Chicago or LA. I didn't want to live anywhere like that. I wanted to, I really wanted to be in a repertory company. That would have been a, a wonderful thing to do. And my father had known he was a jeweler and he was down in Florida and he um, was asked by people in Disney world to um, create some, some jewelry and, and all of this for, um, for them and and i don't know he was he got involved at any place at, at any rate and um he he knew of the oslo theater company down in that area of sarasota and he wanted me to come down he, he knew some people there and he wanted me to to uh, meet some people and, <laughs> and unfortunately my parents were not together at that time and my mother was like oh i'll never forget her saying this oh you don't want to do that it, you know, if, if you're going to be successful, you you want to do it on your own. And of course, years later, I looked back on that and went, no, if you want to be mm -hmm. successful in anything, no. you you find the people that will help you do that. Sure. It's not, it's not like you're climbing on their backs exactly, but you, you find help. And so right. you know, I often think about that and think about oh, the Oslo Theater, whatever. Important but. life lessons are. Um, yes, you can, you can accept help. Yeah. And yes, if there are connections that help you, you know, and it's <laughs> okay. That's how, that's how the world turns. Well, okay. and, and, and later on, you were a member of the Kaleidoscope Theater in Warwick, Rhode Island, which was mm -hmm. a touring children's theater company, but they also produced a weekly television series on a local Providence mm -hmm. channel. They so, so you were a company member as an as an actor. Yes. Were, yes. Were you were you having the the directing itch? Um, I wasn't. No, no, I wasn't at that time. Um, I, I really wasn't. I really was much more focused on on the acting. But as I say, when I when I realized in my late twenties uh, and and moved back up here uh, with my 
my son, who was a toddler at the time, um, I thought, oh, good Lord, I, I can't it's unlikely that I will be making money uh, to support myself and my son with this. So that's when I went back to college um, for my um, degree at the time. It was an associate's degree. It's since expanded to baccalaureate, but um, an associate's degree in, in sign language interpreting for deaf and hard of hearing people and, and hearing people. And um so that was, but, but I never lost my, my love for theater. So I immediately got involved in, in the players still as a director. I mean, sorry, as an actor. Uh -huh. um, and, and you, you ended, I mean, you've, you've really focused on children's theater. It sounds like from, from the very beginning, you co-founded the children's theater project in 1996. You've, mm -hmm. you've been, you've worked with the players for over 30 years. You've taught classes and workshops and um, you've mm -hmm. directed with the Kearsarge arts theater and at CTP and the cat company and high schools. And you've also in your work uh, interpreting for deaf and hardened hearing students, you've also directed students in an annual show presented mm -hmm. in American Sign Language. Um, you've been an adjunct faculty member. I mean, it's a it's it's very interesting to me because I was fortunate enough to attend a semester at the National Theater Institute in, mm -hmm. in my in my youth, in my formative youth. It was yeah. the fall of 1971. Mm -hmm. And um, the O'Neill Theater Institute in Waterford, Connecticut was the home of the National Theater of the Deaf. Right. And so we learned um, some American Sign Language and worked with members of the National Theater of the Deaf. And of course, they were uh, an esteemed company that that produced oh, yeah. on, uh, on, on Broadway, I, I met, and you know, just I, I met the people there, it was, it was an extraordinary experience, because it, it always, it has, it always struck me that um, American Sign Language is very theatrical. Mm -hmm. um, it involves gestures and facial expressions, mm -hmm. and um, in order to to in to to speak uh, American Sign Language well, and by speak I mean using your hands and your body, mm -hmm. you've got to be emotionally expressive mm -hmm. in addition to simply signing. Um, right, and so it's it strikes me that it, that ASL and theater are really kind of closely connected in terms yeah. of the emotional connection that you make, um, uh, whether you're speaking on stage or signing on stage. Oh, right. Right. What do you think? Right. Am I? Oh, am I oh yes. But if if you ever go to see, um, uh, unfortunately, the National Theater for the Deaf is no longer touring and and performing, but the Deaf West Theater is. Um, and if you ever get a chance to see them, I mean, they were uh, they were involved in Big River a number of years ago um, that came in. It was a, a collaboration of deaf and hearing actors. Um, Spring Awakening was another one. Um, uh, and I know they're working on on some other ones as well. Um, but, yeah, they it, it's. It's um it's amazing because it the way that they collaborate is that they have deaf and hard of hearing actors on stage at the same time, so there's a deaf actor paired with his hearing counterpart character, um, and it makes it 
incredibly accessible for deaf people rather than having two or three interpreters in a spotlight down in the front of the you know stage area which not that i mean i'm an interpreter myself so sign language interpreters can make a lot of things in perfectly accessible for deaf and hard of hearing people and I've seen, obviously, a, a lot of theatrical interpreters who d just do an extraordinary job um, interpreting, like you were saying, the emotion and the feeling and the characters of the, the um, characters that they are paired with. But it, it's different to have them down in front of the stage, not a part of the action on stage, as opposed to right there with the, the, the actor that, that they're portraying or the character that they're portraying with the hearing actor. So I, I, I just loved it. I was blown away by big river when I saw that. And, um, right. and yep. I've seen clips of, of spring awakening and some of the yep. other things that they're working on and they're just, and I, I'm really glad uh, that um, uh, Coda, uh, the movie Coda did so well in sure. terms of being um, accepted by all audiences watching it. And that, that uh, the the dad, the actor who was the dad, you know, got the the award for um, supporting actor because it, it, like Marley Matlin said in one of the speeches, um, you know, it just means that it opens up all these um, avenues for deaf and hard of hearing actors to be able to yeah. to go in there and apply their craft like anybody else does. So. What uh, I'm curious, what motivated you to get into the field of ASL interpreting? I. Uh, it was being in kaleidoscope theater. I I actually, at some point in my very early teenage years, I'd thought about being a veterinarian. And then I was like, yeah, no, I don't really want to cut into animals. Um, and then I was interested for, I was always interested in languages and I did well in Spanish in high school. And I thought, what about going to the, you know, becoming a, a, a UN interpreter? You know, I didn't know at the time that in order to go to that level of of work, you have to already be bilingual. Um, so you have to have to have at least two really solid languages before you can do that. So that kind of put the kibosh on that. But then I also got interested in theater in high school. So that swerved me away from that. But but as far as ASL goes, when, being in Kaleidoscope, we did a show called... Um, sign a deaf child story and um the producers of the of the company had hired um well not hired we we weren't paid hardly anything at that time um but they hired this woman who had learned sign language to be like the narrator slash uh interpreter for the show and uh, that it fascinated me and i ended up taking what was called a sign language class it wasn't called asl they they really did a sign english word match you know kind of thing which is not language that's not a language that's just replacing one word for another and and using your native language to you know do that so you you're a you're a lifetime achievement award winner from the new hampshire uh theater uh, alliance um you won that in 2010 and here we are you're still doing just extraordinary work with children because yeah. the work that you do in theater for kids 
is so important because you are able to reach children in, in their most formative periods mm -hmm. and and really set them on a path for life, whether or not they end up doing theater or not doing right. theater or whatever they whatever they they do in the arts. Right. Uh, before we talk some more about uh, about the show, and and we'll get into some of the particulars about the show. Mm -hmm. um, talk to me about some of the kids you know that you've worked with and what they've gone on to do to give our our listeners sort of a mm -hmm. a sense of what it means to uh you know to work with uh youth in theater right it's um it's obviously something that i love to do because i just love their um their passion for it early on i love it when kids discover the niche that they then fall into and um and how excited they get about it. There's there's one little girl in our Wind in the Willow show who's also done shows with me at the performance ensemble group at Runlet Middle School, and and um, she's she's you know a couple shows into this this new passion she's found. But her mother was telling me that she has said that she's um, her plan is to to go to Broadway <laughs> uh -huh. when, she's, when she's older. So. Uh -huh. Well, that, that was my. That, by the way, that was my plan too. Yes, that was but your I, plan. <laughs> but I ended up in Congress, so you know, it, you know, they, they go. You know, your 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 career path, like we were talking about before, go. It goes all over the place and and changes over the course of a lot of years. So, I you know, I would never say that to her at this point because she's like twelve. So it's just like, yep, right. go ahead. You know, do your do your your goal setting now. It's better to to have it than not. Um, but uh, there was a there's been a group of kids who have recently graduated from Concord High and I'm supposing other places as well. But um, that have been involved with me with the Children's Theater Project. I also work in the summer with RB Productions with Clint Close and um, and they have been kids that have been part of the. Uh, cast company the, at CHS over the years. They've gone down to, um, they've gone down to Nashua for uh, the Peacock Players, or they've gone up to the Winnie Playhouse in in Meredith, the Winnipesaukee Playhouse, and done shows up there. They've gone all over the place. Uh, some of these kids, because they get they they found their calling, I guess if you want to call it that. So um, there are kids that have gone that recently graduated that ha have gone to Carnegie Mellon. Um, and this, this one young man is, um, uh, his field is composing <laughs> music and, and doing things like that. Uh, one young lady has gone out to the University of Oklahoma. Another young lady has gone down to um, the music school in Hartford, the Hart School. Um, uh kids have gone to new york city over the years um and gone to tish and gone to amda and um uh, and there's one girl gracie and contact who um uh contact who has uh gone on to now be in the touring the north american tour of fiddler on the roof as hodl and mm. When she posted that on Facebook, everyone was just like, yeah, she mm -hmm. had already, uh, uh, she had gone to a school, uh, Elon University right. for four years. She went to um, a summer stock company in uh, probably Western New York uh, 
for a lot of the summers of her career. Well, minus the year of COVID. And, uh, and then when she graduated, she went uh, to New York City and almost immediately posted that she had gotten into the tour, the American tour of a Charlie Brown Christmas and she played Violet. And so they, they toured around and they ended up at Christmas time last year in New York City. And I almost wanted to, I almost went to see her and I was like, no, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So then I didn't hear too much from her. And then all of a sudden this posting came out about a, a month or so ago and she was just obviously over the moon about getting cast. And she was, uh, you know, just so many of these kids get this um, passion for performing and passion for the arts and, and on they go and good for them that they're pursuing that at uh, really quality schools and um, who knows what is going to happen in their future. And like you said, whether or not it becomes something that they do as a profession or not, doesn't matter. They're now a future perhaps community theater, you know, they'll perhaps find that uh, being in that, I mean, it's a very tough life, right? It's a very tough life to be touring all the time and to be always wondering where your next show is going to come from and, and all of that. So maybe at some point they'll say, no, I don't want to do that. I want to go and I want to teach, or I want to be a director for youth myself. Um, I know there are are kids that have, have decided to do that as well. So Mm. I feel like it's a real privilege that I was able to have any kind of a, a, a start of a seed that dropped into their little minds at the time that they were nine or 10 or 12. And, and they went, Whoa, I can do this. So, uh, so it's, it's great for those kids. I'm, I'm excited to see where they're going to go. So let's turn to the show that you've directed. Um, yeah. Just for our listeners, uh, this weekend, Friday, October 14th at 7 p.m., Saturday, October 15th at 2 p.m. at the Concord City Auditorium, 2 Prince Street in Concord. Tickets are only $15. or You can buy the tickets online at the communityplayersofconcord.org. You can even call the box office at 603-228-2793. And uh, the show is The Wind in the Willows, but it's not the old version of The Wind in the Willows. It's a brand new adaptation by really um, uh, famous people, the Downton Abbey creator Julian Fellows (laughs) and um, uh, award-winning composers George Stiles and Anthony Drew. It has 24 young performers, all directed by Karen Braz. So, so how did you choose this show? Why did you choose this show as sort of the opening salvo of the post-pandemic mm. community players? And uh, then tell us about choosing the cast of 24 young young people. Sure. Uh, Wind of the Willows is near and dear to my heart because 27 years ago when we founded the Children's Theater Project, it was our first production. We, it was a straight version of it, um, had all the characters, Mr. Toad, Rat, Mole, Badger, uh, the otters, and all the denizens of the forest and the riverbank. Um, but it was a straight show. We performed it at the Anacurico Theater, which breaks my heart to say because it's no longer there. It was, I play. I bit. I I spent a lot of time in the Anacarico Theater. I played. I played music theater. in there. There were yeah. meetings in there. I did. I did some. I, I remember. I did some early theater uh, when I first 
came yeah. to uh, back to back to New Hampshire. Yeah. I mean, years yeah, and years ago. Yeah, we used ago. to do the players. The players used to use that space for uh, not our regular season shows, shows that people wanted to do. You know kind of out of the box kind of things the junior mm -hmm. service league with whom i worked for many 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 years as a director um the the first show i ever did with them uh was Stuart little and we performed there and of course because it was so small they had to do like i, I don't it, it seemed to me like endless numbers of shows because they could only seat about 100 people <laughs> in there. But, I know, but, they, but and i felt bad for the women because they make this commitment to do it and they're going on days after after days of performances and right um, but it was but, you know the the thing about the anakiarico theater was it was essentially a black box theater right. i mean in terms of its size yeah. um and its hope its accessibility mm -hmm. to the community it's it a, was the, it's acoustics it's acoustics right. were phenomenal. yeah they were, it was perfect yeah, for kids right yeah. So it yeah, and it's so. it was really a loss when when it when it yeah. closed and it you know with with all the the great uh, things that have happened in Concord over yeah. the past uh, forty or fifty years yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of the Capital Center for the Arts yeah. and the Red River Theater and the yeah. new Bank yeah. of New Hampshire stage yeah. and the way the community players have continued I still think there there could be. A oh, black absolutely. box theater space there that for for smaller productions for working things out. I mean, it, it's it's it really financially important. feasible, financially yeah. feasible for people. Yeah. You know, so it's going to yeah, have to be was, a not for profit okay. effort, but it really right. is something that that oughta that oughta happen. Yeah, yeah, and we thought that it was going to when when the city manager had uh, said that. That it would all those years ago and it just didn't work out so but yep. yeah that's where that's where the wind and the willows was performed when uh, as our inaugural um production and so when i saw oh a year, a year maybe or maybe a couple of years ago that there was this new london west end um production of the wind and the willows as you say by by uh Julian Fellows and and Styles and Drew Styles and Drew I, I had done Honk Junior they wrote um, the musical Honk which is the musical retelling of the Ugly Duckling and it was just wonderful and there was a junior version of it that uh, we did for our fifteenth anniversary um, and they were writing the music and there's Fellows writing the adapti adaptation of the story and I just like oh my gosh I have to do this but they didn't have a youth version at the time so. Um, I had to wait. And in that time, I think it was maybe it was pre COVID or COVID was in the mix. It was, was running our lives at that point. We're, we and, all, uh, we all have foggy memories at this point yeah, when it foggy, comes foggy, foggy, to foggy, COVID. Yeah. It's like two year, two years that somehow dropped into some uh, off a cliff where uh -huh. all of us try to remember was this before covid during covid and uh where are where are we where now are we? Yeah. i think it was probably um I, I found out about it in the midst of covid and then um so our uh 25th anniversary show was going to be descendants uh, the musical, but we couldn't do that because of COVID. And then when we came back last year and we did the all together now, um, musical review, um, I, I then was looking at, you know, what can I do, um, coming into this season? So descendants is not a youth version and it, it seemed like an enormous show to do. So I kind of shied away from that. And then I, 
I got contacted by uh, the publishing house for Wind in the Willows, and they said, oh, we have this youth edition. So I, uh, I applied for that and we got funded. I mean, not funded, we got approved. And uh, so there we go. Uh, so it's, it's actually called uh, The Wind in the Willows Young at Part. And uh-huh. um, they, it, it was very interesting having auditions because not a lot of kids know this story anymore. And, but oh. because a lot of these kids are either new to theater and wanted to try it, or they're people that I have worked with before, um, they, they were like, yeah, let's, let's go, let's do it. So, so I was able, and I like it when this happens because auditioning is difficult for people and it's hard for directors to pick and choose. So it's great when you have a group of kids that all work and you can just say, yep, I can offer you um, a part and, you know, accept it or not. So that's, that's how we got our cast of 24. Um, actually, the, originally it was like 26, but a couple of kids had to um, drop out because of other um, things that they were doing that conflicted with our schedule. So, um, so and I, let, I was just thrilled. I, I mean, I, I'm thrilled to go back 27 years later and, you know, that's, and that's, that was the other thing I was looking at too, was having Wind in the Willows as our 25th because right. of the, of the first one. So, um, but the music is just it's so clever and the kids are just great the kids are doing an awesome job with it with both the music and and uh and singing and acting and dancing and you know doing all of that stuff so tony bongiorno is the music director and has been for many many years and a student who just graduated from concord high bailey kern is uh the choreographer and is uh heading off to uh amda i believe uh in october in Oh, we are in October this month um, after the show is over. So wow. a lot of people working on it. So um, we're talking with Karen Braz here on Capital Close Up about the uh, Concord Community Players production of Wind in the Willows. Uh, it's a new adaptation for uh, to be performed by young people. It's happening this weekend, Friday, October 14th at 7 p.m., Saturday at 2 p.m. at the Concord City Auditorium. You can buy tickets at communityplayersofconcord.org. And this adaptation is is pretty remarkable because the full-length version of The Wind <laughs> and the Willows uh, premiered in London's West End in 2017. It's currently in the works to become a major motion picture. And <laughs> yeah. the adaptation that you're using is a, a very clever 60-minute adaptation specifically designed for young performers. And it's a show that's um, just, it's a great, family show. I mean, one of the great things about having a large cast of 24 young people is mm. that, you know, you're going to get an awful <laughs> lot of friends and family yes. members who are going to come to see the show. And in and in theater, as, as my friend Van McLeod used to say, you know, it's all show business and you don't get to do the show if you don't do the business and our business is getting butts into the seats. Yeah. So large casts of young people are tailor-made for um, a great audiences. Now, this adaptation is funny, it's mm-hmm. witty, it's mm-hmm. got a gorgeous score, yeah. um, and it's certainly heartwarming with with lessons of friendship. And right. The Wind in the Willows is is a classic, 
mm-hmm. that I know that I grew up reading. But as you said, a lot of the kids in your cast didn't know the story. Mm. Tell us a little bit about the story of the wind in the willows. What 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 happens? Um, it it focuses on the misadventures of Mr. Toad of Toad Hall, who is very impulsive. Toad, by the very way, very impulsive. Toad. He's he uh, he loves anything new. He reminds me of some of the people nowadays who are the first ones to jump in line for a six hundred dollar phone. I mean, that's how he, <laughs> that's how he is. He's so somehow he's the just, picture of Mr. Toad with an iPhone <laughs> yeah. is 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 a is an adaptation yet to be yet to yes, be made no no he's definitely not into the the phone bit but he you know he the show starts with um his his friend ratty who has lost kind of um his his excitement about being a friend of toad because because of toad's impulsivity and because he just does things without thinking so you know, uh, ratty is a, a water rat so he lives mm-hmm. on the riverbank and he has his little blue rowboat and toad buys a speedboat and goes, you know, zipping by and, and makes ratty all upset. And then the next thing uh, that toad gets involved with is, and, and in the process of all of this, ratty meets mole because mole has unexpectedly burrowed near the riverbank and, and meets ratty and is terribly excited about this new world he's found outside of his dark tunnel and so Toad intrigues Mole a lot, um, and Ratty just kind of throws up his hands and rolls his eyes in frustration. But Toad ends up getting very involved with motor cars, mm. and he gets one of his own because he's rich and he can afford it, but he crashes it. And then on impulse, he borrows somebody else's car and then crashes that. So at the end mm. of Act 1... Uh, We've broken it up into two, so there's an intermission. Um, at the end of Act One, he's in the courtroom and he's getting charged with with this thing and being put in jail. So uh-huh. while he's in jail, uh, the weasels and the stoats and the foxes, who are all the bad guys of the wild woods, have taken over Toad Hall and uh, they found squat- out. They're squatters. squatters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ratty and Mola found out about that. They've gone to find Mr. Badger, who is like the, the patriarch of the wild woods. And they're going to go save um, Toad and also Portia, the little otter that's been stolen by the weasels. And Mrs. Otter is just aghast at all of that and wants help finding her daughter. So there's a, there's a, uh, jailer's daughter who helps Toad dress as a washerwoman. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's hysterical putting on the, you know, the dress and the, uh, the, the skirt and the blouse and the shawl and all that. And he escapes jail and goes running back and the friends all gather together and work together to get into Toad Hall and see if they can get rid of the weasels and, uh, and take back Toad Hall. So as you said, it is, um, it is a, a, a wonderful story of, of friendship and and just kind of accepting people for who they are. And yes, they have their foibles and yes, they have their little, you know, weird little quirks of, of their personality. But at, at his heart, Toad is a good guy. He's not a bad guy, you know. So they're they all come together to help him uh, get back his 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 house, his his life. Um, and it ends, it ends in a way that I, I wish we were able to uh 
I wish we were able to to fly people because it it would have been fun to be fly toad, but it it was not to be. I'm sure in London they probably did that, but <laughs> you mean you mean with wires and yeah, with and, wires, and, yeah, yeah. You, you don't have his, you're his not last, flying you're not you're not flying kids at the Concord Auditorium. I did that in Peter Pan 20 years ago when we had our 75th anniversary show, Peter Pan. And yes, we did hire Flying by Foy. And of course, it's Peter Pan. But this one, uh, no, the youth production. No, we don't quite have the budget for Flying uh, for flying Toad. So oh, my. So that. we are talking on Capital Close Up with Karen Braz, the director of a new adaptation of Wind in the Willows this weekend at the Concord City Auditorium. Buy your tickets at communityplayersofconcord.org. A cast of 24 very excited, accomplished young performers, all under the direction of our guest, who are going to just delight, delight audiences in Concord. So we have a very few minutes remaining. I'm, I'm curious to know, what was your greatest challenge? And what is your greatest challenge? Here you are in show week. So right. uh, what's been your greatest challenge with this with this show? This was actually because we don't have what's called a unit set, one set on stage. It's many different locations. Um, the challenge is trying to get that to work on stage and and look good. And uh, the set designer is Jim Weber, the producer of that documentary that you were talking about. He, he does beautiful designs. Um, and if you've ever been on the city auditorium stage, it's not a, a huge stage. So the challenge was not only finding it, the way we could get the different locales and the set pieces to work on stage, but then Kevin Belval, who is our tech director backstage, has to figure out a way to store all of that stuff and, and not run over children as you're you know, getting things on and off. So that, that has been um, a big challenge. Working with the kids is not a challenge because they're always so um, eager and willing and talented. And so that's not the challenge. The challenge for me this year was thinking like, oh, this is, you know, we've got a backdrop and we've got some set pieces moving. No, it's lots. It's a lots of props and lots of set pieces that move around. So that was a challenge, but it's, we set it all up and it looks great. And um, I think people will really enjoy it visually as well as auditorily. Uh, as you were saying, really excited, talented kids. Well, Karen, thank you so much for joining us on Capital Close Up. This is show week. And this weekend, uh, the community players are going to present uh, The Wind in the Willows, directed by Karen Braz, the award-winning director, uh, co-founder of the Children's Theater Project, longtime member of the Concord Community Players, which is just one of the great things about Concord, New Hampshire, and uh, theater. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with more Capital Closing.